welcome to episode one, the inaugural episode. It's very exciting. This is the Red Roof Recovery Show, a program that softens the path of your journey in addiction recovery and in life. I'm your host, Tanya McIntyre, and I've been on my own addiction recovery journey since 2019. So as you can imagine, I'm pretty passionate about sharing my experience, strength, and hope with you. This beautiful theme song that we're listening to is provided by Russell Allen Scott, and it is aptly titled Greatest Bravery. Thank you so much for this, Russell. I love this song. show today, I'm going to play that piece in its entirety. That is Greatest Bravery from Russell Allen Scott. And again, I'm your host, Tanya McIntyre. Thanks so much for joining me. Our time is finite in this crazy world, and I really appreciate you choosing to spend your 30 minutes with me. And, you know, about Russell Scott, uh, he's one of my friends and he actually helped me with a spiritual awakening when I was into my recovery journey uh, for a few years and having some problems with um, aftercare and I was relapsing and didn't know why. So um, certainly spiritual enlightenment was a challenge for me and Russell Scott was uh, a very essential component in helping me get there. So very grateful to Russell Allen Scott I encourage you to check out his retreats. You can connect with him on Facebook, Russell Scott, and uh, he's actually doing another coming home retreat very soon. So I highly recommend that. And you know, it takes a great deal of bravery to face life without the anesthetic of drugs and alcohol, whatever other substance or behavioral addiction that you might be struggling with to endure this operation of life. Uh, I am recording this program in April of 2021 and we are in Ontario we're in another lockdown uh, as we are in now over a year of this pandemic this COVID-19 virus is really taking a toll on people and when I talk about uh, bravery it takes a great deal of bravery to not get sucked into that vortex of what I like to call the FUD factor So those of you who have followed my career for any length of time, you know that I spent a couple of decades in mainstream media as a broadcaster. Um, I lightly call myself a journalist because uh, really I didn't have a journalism degree. I got my first job in radio because of my voice. Uh, The owner of the radio station in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia just loved my voice and he gave me my first break. I had gone to university to pursue journalism Um, I lasted for three months uh, before I knew that I just was not university material and uh, took me a long time to come to terms with that as well, right? Because social constructs tell us that we need to do certain things in life, right? My favorite um, Shakespeare uh, quote is, all the world is a stage and men and women merely players. So what role are you going to play in this (laughs) stage of life? 
Uh, so a couple of decades in mainstream media as, you know, I did a lot of things. I was a Queens, uh, Queens Park reporter, so I got to know a lot of the political movers and shakers of the day in and around Toronto and uh, worked for all of, uh, you know, the major networks. And really, journalism, even in 20, over the 20 years that I was in mainstream media, it changed a lot. Uh, I was basically a newsreader. I had an agenda for fulfill. And uh, that was to perpetuate what I like to call the FUD factor, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right? Because you listen to a news broadcast now, what do you hear? Bad news, and it keeps repeating itself over and over and over and over again. It's, we're just inundated with bad news all the time. And now we've got it on tap 24-7. You can turn on um, certain stations, and that's all they do is broadcast news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's hard to, to uh, really... Um, be selective, right, about what we're absorbing into our mind because nowadays uh, the, the messages are everywhere. We're getting them on social media as well. So those of you who know me, um, you know that I had a radio show after I left mainstream media. I, my passion was positive media. I packed up negative news for positive media, literally. And I produced and hosted a show called The Good News Only, where you hear good things to feel good. Because I know in my two decades of um, mainstream media that there are far more good things happening in the world than bad things. And there are far more good people in the world than bad. Unfortunately, we don't get to hear a lot about them, though, because uh, it doesn't really sell, right? What sells is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, the FUD factor. And after doing that for a couple of decades, it literally chipped away at my soul and I, I had to make a decision, you know, do I want to live a healthy, balanced life and do I want to get sober because my addictions were now spiraling out of control in uh, the 20th year of doing something that I hated and was chipping away at my soul. So the only thing that was available at the time uh, that I knew of was AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And of course, uh, I come from a long line of um, addictive challenges in my family tree. And um, I don't hesitate to say that AA saved my life, literally, for sure. I wouldn't be alive now if I hadn't gone to AA meetings for eight years. Uh, but definitely smart recovery has uh, given me my life back. And smart recovery is not really all that well known. When I went looking for something more secular, uh, evidence-based, um, there were not that many things around. Uh, so smart recovery is out of Mentor Ohio, and they just celebrated 25 years. It's a nonprofit organization that uh, depends on volunteers to keep the face-to-face -face meetings going. And of course, everything is on Zoom now. So I have been involved with Smart Recovery as a facilitator, a certified facilitator with Smart since 2018. Smart is an acronym for self-management and recovery training. And uh, absolutely, Smart Recovery is uh, part of my success in recovery without question. And I think becoming an, a facilitator in 2018 um, was pretty important because I kept on relapsing almost every year. Sometimes I get a couple of years under my belt and I would think, oh, good, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I've been handling it now for a couple of years. I'm fine now. I'm cured. I can have just, you know, that one line of Coke or a couple of shots of vodka, glass of wine with dinner, no problem, I can handle it. Well, no, no, <laughs> no, 
couldn't handle it. Uh, so I needed a solution, a sustainable solution. And Smart Recovery has certainly been that for me since 2018. I'm happy to say that I have stayed on the wagon of life. So as uh, anyone who knows 12-step programs, um, it's, it's uh, very spiritual-based. And uh, at the time, when I started in AA, I didn't feel uh, very spiritually fit, that's for sure. Uh, smart Recovery is more cognitive behavioral therapy-based. So they talk about... Um, our thoughts and how our thoughts lead to our behaviors and how we can manage our, our feelings, our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors uh, just by knowing how this disorder is working in our brain and how we can intercept the negative thinking with more rational, emotive behavioral therapy, which was a, a brainchild of Albert Ellis. And I have studied under a couple of his students and still do. Uh, Dr. David Burns is one of my favorite people. And in fact, David Burns was my last interview on The Good News Only that I had hosted and produced for a couple of years. And it was David Burns who uh, encouraged me and supported me in pursuing um, being a facilitator in addiction recovery. And I, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of on the fence because like a lot of people, I didn't have a lot of confidence in my abilities, my skills and abilities, especially uh, being blacklisted from a vocation that had defined me for most of my adult life. Um, I just kind of internalized all of that shame and guilt and carried that with me for a long time. But Dr. David Burns, and you know, another thing too, is the lack of degree, right? I didn't have a degree in journalism. I didn't finish my degree in journalism. I, I didn't go to university. I just barely uh, made it through high school. So that kind of negative baggage was getting heavier and heavier for me to carry. But Dr. David Burns, uh, a pioneer in cognitive behavioral therapy, he was very encouraging. Hold on. I just need to take a little sip of water here. And he said, Tanya, it doesn't take a degree to be a good therapist. So with that, I thought, oh, my gosh, maybe I could um, do something in the addiction treatment field that's not being done yet. So I'm working on that. Uh, as I said, this is episode one of the Red Roof Recovery Show. It's a program that will hopefully soften the path of your recovery journey. Uh, not only your recovery journey, but just your journey through life. You know, I used to uh, jokingly say that I used drugs and alcohol as my anesthetic through which I endured the operation of life. But joking aside, um, you know, this operation of life, especially during this last uh, year, now we're, we're past a year now with COVID-19. This pandemic is really taking a toll on things because, um, quite frankly, I think the real pandemic has always been addictions and mental health issues. Uh, but nobody really talks about that because of the stigma that's attached to addictions. So my passion in life is not only positive media and uh, curating as much good news in the world as I can with everybody I know, but also to help people to be a positive example of recovery from addictions and know that I can, ex I can share and I intend to share my experience, strength and hope and everything that I've learned in my journey of recovery. And hopefully that will encourage you to take the step that you need to get some life balance and uh, serenity in your life. SMART, Self-Management and Recovery Training, that's the acronym. And they have four pillars of recovery in SMART. The first one is probably 
one of the most difficult ones to get to, right? The first step is uh, always the steepest. There was a song, actually, back in the 70s. The first cut is the deepest. <laughs> yeah, it sure is in more ways than one. So the four pillars of recovery from SMART, uh, number one is we need to develop and maintain motivation to abstain. So SMART is actually an abstinence-oriented program of recovery. Um, but, you know, having said that, SMART is there to meet you where you are and help you get to where you want to go. So if that's going to be medically-assisted treatment or harm reduction in any way, um, definitely there will be something in SMART to help you if that's what you choose to do. And then the second pillar of smart recovery is learning how to handle the urges. And urges are different for different people, right? We're all different machines. Uh, we all share our human body, but man, oh man, the mind is uh, a whole other kettle of fish, ain't it? Yeah. So we need to handle the urges. I mean, I've talked to people who say, oh, yeah, they last maybe 30 seconds, couple of minutes, three, five minutes maybe. But some people, like, it's hours, and sometimes it's unbearable for people to handle those urges, especially when you get into some harder stuff, uh, you know, the, um, the benzos and the meth and, oh, man, oh, man, that stuff, that's, that's, uh, that's another challenge in itself, heroin, um, yeah. Pillar number three, I mean, it can be done, absolutely, but then we're dealing with a whole uh, different chemistry of the brain as well. Number three, the third pillar of smart recovery is managing thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And that's key, right? In life in general, that's what we need to do, manage thoughts, feelings, and behavior. I just had a, a situation yesterday when I was in a grocery store, one of my least favorite places to be. And... Uh, there's just all you can see now on people are their eyes, right? The eyes, the windows to the soul. And all I can see is fear. It makes me just sad. And it, really, I feel like I'm just so sad. And I'm fighting to not be hopeless, right? Because, man, oh, man, once we start letting that hopeless vortex suck us in, it's hard to get out of it. So managing our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors around uh, such fear, when we're surrounded by such fear, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, yeah, the challenges are there. And the peer support of AA is something that I will always treasure. I've, I've developed some great friendships in AA. And the fact that the face-to-face -face meetings of any uh, recovery support right now are technically illegal I think in itself is uh, quite criminal to not allow peer support, face-to-face -face support for people who are in crisis situations. So l just to review, number one, because uh, I, I tend to get off topic quite easily, so I'll try to get myself back on, right? It's like training a puppy. Stay, get back here, stay, sit. <laughs> so number one, the four pillars of recovery from SMART, an acronym for self-management and recovery training. Develop and maintain motivation to abstain. As I said, SMART is an abstinence-oriented recovery program, but, of course, supporting you in whatever you choose, whether it's harm reduction or medically-assisted treatment. The pillar number two is learning how to handle the urges, riding those waves, as we say in recovery circles. And pillar number three, managing our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And finally, pillar number four is where we all want to get to. 
in our life, and that is to live a balanced, sober, healthy life. So that is smart recovery in a nutshell. It has um, what they call a handbook, tools and strategies to help you on your recovery journey. So I encourage you to check out smartrecovery.org. And on that website, you can buy the handbook. Um, don't know how much it is now. I've, I've had mine for a couple of years now. But a lot of great info in here. And it's kind of become my Bible in more ways than one. But the templates, a lot of the more common tools that we use in Smart Recovery, uh, one is called, and Smart Recovery, you'll know once you've been around Smart Recovery for a while, that we love acronyms. So the two main tools that you will hear talked about the most are the cost-benefit analysis. And I keep mine either in my wallet or as a bookmark. And the cost-benefit analysis is a template that is basically broken into four quadrants. And what that does for you is help you get some clarity on what the advantages and disadvantages are when you are using or doing, as opposed to the advantages and disadvantages of not using and not doing your substance or behavior. So really good exercise to do. We do this on our Smart Recovery Zoom meetings all the time in a group setting where people can know that they're not alone with their, um, with their thoughts and feelings around uh, recovery. Because a lot of times, you know, it's hard to even get to that stage where you want to give up your best friend. It's, that's a tough, tough place to get to. It took me 20 plus years to, uh, to finally accept that I needed to make some changes in my life. So the CBA, the cost benefit analysis, you can download that template free on the smartrecovery.org website. And the other acronym that's used a lot in smart recovery is the HOV. And HOV stands for hierarchy of values. And why it's important to have a hierarchy of values is because a lot of us never take the time to really sit and contemplate what our core values are in life. And when we sit with pen in hand and are basically forced to be with our, our thoughts and to turn that rational analysis inward, which is what you do with cognitive behavioral therapy, you're always questioning your thoughts and trying to make them better serve you instead of be your enemy. So the hierarchy of values, uh, helps you get some clarity around your core values. And then there are some questions that go along with that hierarchy of value, which I think are worth asking every day. Because for me, um, my answers change almost every day. And those three questions are, what do I want? Question number two, what am I doing about it? And question number three is, how do I feel? about what I'm doing about it. So those three questions, I think, are really uh, valuable to reflect on every day. Because um, how often in life have we ever been encouraged to define what it is that we want? What do we want? It doesn't have to be for your future. What do you want right now, today? Uh, you know, one of the mantras in AA, 
is one day at a time because that's really all we've got 24 hours what are we going to do with our 24 hours so what do I want what am I doing about it and how do I feel about what I'm doing about it um, it just gets you thinking about your core values and are your actions aligned with what you say you want and then it goes a little bit deeper with what could I do differently to help me get what I want and smart recovery is all about uh, practicing the P's, right? I'm somebody I watched recently on a, an inspirational video. She said, what we practice grows stronger. And, you know, like anything, in re even with our recovery journey, it's, it's like playing the, learning how to play the piano, right? You can't just uh, sit down in front of the keys and start reading music. You need to study it and practice it and be persistent. And you know, that can be challenging depending on our circumstances at any given time. So practicing peace, patience, practice, persistence. And then question number five to delve a little deeper into that hierarchy of values is how would you or how would changing what I do or getting what I want make me feel? So really good contemplation questions. Um, Jim Carrey, I, I quote him a lot because he went uh, from extreme poverty to extreme wealth and in his interviews all the time he says my wish for everyone is that they become rich and famous and that they get everything their heart desires so they will know that that is not the answer <laughs> not what we want to hear especially now um, I, I read a, or not read probably heard on the radio that a recent survey of people in their teens and 20s when they're asked what they want. What do you think they want? Teens and 20s. Well, what did you want when you were a teenager or in your 20s? To be rich and famous. Mm -hmm. So Jim Carrey says, mm -mm, it's not the answer. So what is the answer? Mm. That's going to be different for everybody, isn't it? <clears throat> So I just want to read you a little thing here by Richard Carlson in his book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Life is a test. One of my favorite posters says life is a test. It's only a test. Had this been a real life, you would have been instructed where to go and what to do. When you look at life and its many challenges as a test or series of tests, you begin to see each issue you face as an opportunity to grow. A chance to roll with the punches, whether you're being bombarded with problems, responsibilities, even insurmountable hurdles. When looked at as a test, you always have a chance to succeed in the sense of rising above that which is challenging you. If, on the other hand, you see each new issue you face as a serious battle that must be won in order to survive, you're probably in for a very rocky road. The only time you're likely to be happy is when everything is working out just right. And we all know how often that happens, right? As an experiment, see if you can apply this idea to something that you're forced to deal with. Rather than struggling with an issue, see if there's something you can learn from it. Ask yourself, why is this issue even in my life? What would it mean and what would be involved to rise above it? Could I possibly look at this issue differently? Can I see it as a test of some kind that is trying to teach me something? If you give this strategy a try, you may be surprised at your changed responses. As an example, 
uh, I had some abandonment issues for a long time as a child. Um, you may have heard that most addiction issues are related to some kind of trauma. <laughs> well, yes, I've had my share of that as well. Um, Mom left when I was nine years old, so I spent years resenting her for abandoning me. I felt sorry for myself for a very long time, and when I later learned to redefine the issue as something that happened in my life to teach me something, I discovered that her abandonment actually made me a stronger and more independent person who faces challenges with more ease than most people, I'm told. I also finally opened my heart to forgive her. Man, oh man, the power of forgiveness is pretty powerful. I realized that she was just doing the best she could under the circumstances that she was dealing with. Because, you know, even parents suffer from self-esteem issues, anger issues, addiction issues, and she had all of them. And their issues don't have to become our issues. We can use their bad examples as a way to be stronger people. My father, on the other hand, um, I grew to call him philosopher dad because he raised me and my sister as a single father back in the 60s. And, um, well, you know what? Maybe if you were around in the 60s, it wasn't an easy time to be uh, a single parent. Well, it's, not, no, it's never an easy time to be a single parent. But for a man in the 60s to take on two children uh, without you know, any assistance, really, is nothing short of extraordinary. He did an amazing job. Um, emotionally unavailable many times. He was working 14, 16 hours a day. Uh, but he was an amazing guy, and um, so I, I've come to call him Philosopher Dad, and I, I want him to be forever immortalized. <laughs> so I've, offered, I've authored uh, two books. Uh, one is called Mindful Wisdom for My Philosopher Dad. It's a tribute to my father. And my philosopher dad taught me that this uh, transition into adulthood can often be a bumpy ride. Because, you know, really, we're psychological children trying to fill emotional voids that weren't fulfilled while we were growing up, right? At least that's, <laughs> that's my story. Uh, learning to love ourselves, one of the most challenging things we can do in our lifetime. We have to deal with social and cultural conditioning that's always demanding that we behave in a certain way. And we're watching, reading, and listening to messages from mainstream media now telling us that we're never good enough. And we live in an economy that perpetuates slavery to work and debt. So I wrote Mindful Wisdom from my philosopher dad to offer some mindful wisdom to navigate this often mindless maze of life. And my second book is about to be published. It's called Daily Wisdom from my philosopher dad. And that was inspired by a couple of things. From my desire to make my first book the beginning of a series from my philosopher dad. He was an extraordinary man who deserves a legacy of greatness. And also it was uh, encouraged from my daily readings that motivate me to continue on my journey from drugs and alcohol and a few other unhealthy addictions. And I made that decision to make better choices and live a sober, healthier life in 2009. And uh, after eight years of several relapses and 12-step meetings and losing a lot of friends who died from their relapses, I sought out this more secular evidence-based program, Smart Recovery, as I was talking to you about earlier. Self-management and recovery training has helped me stay on the wagon of life. And my philosopher dad would be elated to know that I have broken the cycle of addiction in our family. A lot of the daily reflections in my daily wisdom book that will be available on Amazon.ca soon 
Uh, they come from my philosopher dad, who raised me and my baby sister as a single father back in the 60s while struggling with his own addictions and challenges. And then some of the other reflections are passed to you from my countless mentors, seminars I've attended, books I've read, and of course my own life experiences. My hope is that you will not only buy my book, books, soon to be books, uh, you'll also take a few minutes every day to contemplate the daily wisdom message in the second book, Daily Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad. And then you want to be writing those thoughts and intentions for the day. Very important to send that strong written message to the universe. The power of the written word is very, very powerful. So we're listening to Russell Allen Scott. He is going to take us out with his amazing talent. And he has gifted me with his permission to use his song titled Greatest Bravery by Russell Allen Scott. My wish for you is to always live fully, laugh often, love always, stay positive. I'm your host, Tanya McIntyre. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force.